Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So today we'll highlight the theme of bringing awareness to the field of thought. So this is a rich field for exploration and one that shapes our world. So we've focused on the body, the breath as part of the body, bringing awareness to this. And in this we are just noticing it exactly as it is. So discerning between our ideas of the body and the direct experience of the body. And developing the knowing that comes from within that experience. So knowing the temperature of the body, the texture, the vibration, however it appears. Then we talked about noticing different mind states, emotions. Which sometimes are felt very much in the body. So in this way, shifting our usual relationship, which could be of pushing away or over-dramatizing to just feeling it as it is, as it arises. Uh, Practicing in this way some non-identification with the experience. So feeling this as a movement of energy through the system. And similarly, we could feel the energy of that as it's moving through. Sometimes labeling helps, sadness or anger. Noticing how that feels in this moment from inside the experience. So meanwhile, in both of these cases, there often is something happening in the field of thought. So for example, with the body, there might be thoughts related to what the experience is in the body. So like, my knee hurts. It has hurt a long time. It will continue to hurt. Why does my knee hurt? Please ring the bell so my knee will stop hurting. And so on. Likewise with emotion, there often is a story behind it. Sometimes a memory, sometimes a projection in the future. So there are thoughts, sometimes that are a catalyst and sometimes after the fact about the emotion. So they shouldn't have done this. Next time I'll do this. I want to do this. So in both cases, as you can hear, with thought there can be this arising of self, this idea of me, which is actually fully in the field of thought. So 
So in developing awareness of thought, it's a very different way of relating, of knowing the experience than how we usually are with what arises in the mind. So for most people, we don't have a lot of distance from our thoughts, meaning we believe whatever arises in the mind as true, even if it contradicts what arose a few seconds earlier, as in, I'm very good at meditation, I'm very bad at meditation. I love it here, I hate it here. (coughs) I'm never coming back. I'm signing up for a three-month retreat. Many can seemingly relate to this. So what we are practicing is actually just noticing in this the process of thought, that thought arises. So getting interested in the process rather than being fully uh, believing in and engaged with the content of the thought. So some tricks for how it can help to notice this. One is that your thoughts are very quick and slippery, so it might be more difficult to notice them in the same way as you've noticed experience of the body or emotion, where you can actually feel the beginning of it, the arising, and the passing away. Sometimes you can notice that with thought, but many times you only notice that it's there, and then maybe that it's gone. But that's good, even that is good. You could imagine maybe that there's like a screen, the mind is a screen. And you could imagine that the thoughts that come are actually being projected onto the screen. And I should say that thoughts are sometimes verbal, but also sometimes images, sometimes even imagined sounds. But particularly for the verbal or image ones, you can imagine like, okay, let me see what's going up on the screen. And when a thought arises, <clears throat> see that as a projection onto the screen. And then notice how it's there and then something else will come and something else will come. You can label thoughts, different types of thoughts. So oh, that's planning, thinking, remembering, worrying, or even more kind of specific to how the mind seems to be going today in this moment. So kind of like some pop stations play roughly the same 10 songs over and over again. It could be that your mind has a hit parade of thoughts, top five, top 10, So you can notice and label these, like, oh look, it's this planning vacation. It's the thinking about money, planning what I'll do when I go home. So you can even count those, like planning I'll go home, mix one, mix two, three, see how often that comes up. Now with extremely repetitive thoughts, it is helpful to drop into the body and feel if there's some emotional fuel underneath of that, be with that. 
So you can practice like that, but for today we'll be particularly focusing on noticing thought and then anything you notice from the thought, if there's a belief in the thought, if there's a concurrent reaction in the body or if you get on a long thought train. So thoughts can also be categorized, you could say, into uh, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral thoughts. So you could check them out from this standpoint too. A neutral thought might be, the floor is made of wood. Pleasant thought might be something that you're looking forward to. Unpleasant thought may be about something that you dread. So you could notice and sort of label them like this. It's much easier to see the neutral thoughts as just thought usually. But as we practice, we can start to see all of them in some way. So one further tip with this, this having like a screen in the mind. Did you feel that? (laughs) So you can notice, uh, imagine that the screen of the mind on the screen of the mind is being projected uh, thoughts that are from the person behind you. So you could imagine, oh, it's not actually my thoughts there. So then you can look with interest. Oh, I wonder what this person is up to today. Worry about the car, or thinking about zoo animals, or whatever. And just see with interest that And with all of these, you can notice that thoughts are impermanent. They come and they go. None of them stay very long at all. Even if they come back, they're like, just little sparks. And none of them is actually yourself, too. So let's try this for a little bit. We'll practice together with particular attention to thought. So we can start being grounded in the body, as usual. So connect to the sense of sitting here, cushion, or a chair, just feel the contact. connect with the breath or if you're using hearing as a place to rest the attention. And wait with interest just to receive the experience of thought.
So just to seed this practice, I'll throw out a few questions so you can observe perhaps some thoughts as they arise. So you can uh, see if you can remember what your room looks like here, your yogi room. And just notice if an image comes to mind, however fleeting. So this is a thought. And then if I ask you to think of your last name. So that might come up as a word, visually or through sound. So that too is here and gone as a thought. So we can just sit together and see what else appears in this field. And they're very slippery, so just do your best to see what you can. If you get tired from this, you can always just go back to the body, rest in the breath. No need to struggle with it. Not just being open to what happens in this field.
Another image that sometimes helps people to develop awareness of the field of thought is imagining the mind like a sky. And then the thoughts that come through are like different clouds and different cloud formations. So in this way you can notice whatever it is that drifts through. Puffy clouds, happy thoughts, rain clouds, stormy thoughts. And rest the awareness with the sky. You can see the different clouds that come through. You can see the different thoughts, but we don't have to identify with them.
So just noticing what's happening in the mind.
you might also notice how many of the thoughts have something to do with a story about yourself in the past, in the present, or in the future. Sometimes you might even notice how a thought of oneself that's believed in might have some changes following in the body or what that feels like in the mind. Sometimes this can be felt around the eyes or contraction, or sense of solidity. And previously not there.
So as you're noticing thought, sometimes you might notice the space in between the thoughts. So in resting in this knowing, this awareness, just gently feel into, what is that like? This space when there's no thought as an object. Can be very receptive in this exploration. No need to be very active or probing. Just gently feeling into this relaxing into it.
So one of my favorite stories illustrating the way in which thought can shape our world and cause suffering is the story of someone who goes into a cave and paints a picture of a tiger, very elaborate picture, and then they look at it and they go, ah, tiger, and they run out of the cave screaming. So what happened in that? Where was the tiger? They forgot that they made it up. So this is happening frequently in the world of thought in our lives. We're just sitting here, breathing quietly. Nobody is actually bugging you in this moment. A thought arises of some configuration that was, could be, maybe will be, whatever. Would that it was one static picture, usually it's a motion picture. We buy into it and then have all kinds of reactions and uh, planning and grieving and this and that. And the truth is that you're making it all up. You know, it's not actually happening. So there's so much freedom from being able to discern a thought from the experience, the direct experience of something. So we came up with the thought of your room. That was not your room. That was a thought of your room. So similarly, a thought about your parents, that's not your parents. One more area in the field of thought that I'd like to highlight for you that you can play with noticing during the day is one particular aspect that is about perception. So the Buddha highlighted this as a important dimension that if we notice, we can find some freedom from, the not fully identifying with every perception. So a simple example of this is you're outside and you see something and then you think it's an animal, like a dog or like fox. So your mind goes, dog. And then you kind of look again and it's like, oh, it's just a bush with something fluttering on it. So it wasn't actually a dog, it's a bush or a tree. So see how the mind misperceived in that moment. And it's okay, there's nothing wrong with it, but seeing how often that happens can help you to not be fully invested in every single perception that the mind kicks up. So allow yourself to notice when there are misperceptions, which happens actually quite a good deal of time. The biggest misperception being that of the solidity of self, like that of there being some enduring, permanent, controlling, independent entity. So lots to explore in the field of thought. I'll see if you have any questions about the experience of practice with this or instructions. Yeah.
Yeah, so, so a question was about, you know, it was interesting to notice these, the thoughts using this uh, image of the screen of the mind and um, that it was possible to notice them arising, passing away. It was interesting, but then there emerged some greater sense of like sort of anxiety, excitement. And uh, yeah, and do you think it was like excitement about seeing the thoughts and stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. And then is there a way to be with the like emotional energetic states that could be um, similar to that? Um, so when you were with that, like what did you notice or where did you notice it for the energy of the Uh-huh. <laughs> so noticing in the solar plexus area continuing to expand. Mm. Yeah, so it continued to grow as you were present to it. Uh, and um, what was your, do you notice that there was some response to that? Right, right. So, <laughs> so in observing the thoughts in the mind, it seemed like they're coming and going, but then in this one, it just seemed to com- continue expanding. So I hear like slightly in that um, buried is sort of like, what technique could I use to make it also go away? <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> could it be? <laughs> or diminish or something? Right, so yeah, it's, it was a bit overwhelming to be with it, and the nature of anxiety is that. So, yeah, I would say with that, I mean, one is notice if there's any, um, if there's any part that's sort of like, uh, and it's, it's quite common, it's like, oh, I want to be with this, I know everything is impermanent, so why are you not impermanent? Whatever it is, you know, it's like, <laughs> why are you not diminishing like the thoughts are? And, you know, eventually it will, like even now at this moment, like how is it, does it, <laughs> yeah. Is the same? Is the same, or is it like exactly the same? <laughs> yeah. So just you know, being with it as it is, and it's true. These, particularly something like anxiety or some emotional states, can be difficult to be with. Uh, kind of nakedly, you could say, like just being with that in and of itself. So then. And one thing that helps is the idea or the practice of having something like that's a little bit easier to be with, to kind of anchor with. And it could be like if the breath is okay in that time, you know, or even something, something kind of neutral is good, like the soles of the feet or the hands or something like that. So then you can kind of um, surf between feeling a little bit of that, you know, the anxiety kind of thing. And then going back to the hands, for example. And then take a breath, and then feel the anxiety, and this, right? Or you could feel them at the same time, you know, feel the breath with a little bit of knowledge of this anxiety. But you're kind of skillfully titrating, you could say, your 
awareness of that so it's not completely overwhelming. Right? Also, you can notice if there is a little bit of, you know, there's anxi- can be anxiety about the anxiety. You know, it's like, oh no, it's getting bigger. How big will it get? Like, and it could be verbal thoughts or it could be just like, whoa, you know. So then it could be a little bit with that experience of like, whoa, you know. On some days when you feel like a spiritual warrior, you could be like, let me feel this. Go ahead, kill me, you know. Like, you know, just like dive into this, you know. On other days, you could take it a little bit more easy and, you know, be a little gentle with it, noticing it, and noticing the changes in it too, because sometimes we have this idea like, oh, it's getting bigger, it's going to keep getting bigger. Um, So then you actually oftentimes have a complex of thought with the emotional energy. Uh, So you can kind of play with it in that way. So find an anchor, be with it, either at the same time or kind of going between to allow yourself uh, enough stability of mind to be able to know this too. And so sometimes it also helps to expand out the container of awareness. So instead of being with the minuteness of the arising, passing, like hold the whole state in some way, you know, in this, you know, open up the container and it's just like, okay, here's the... So in that spaciousness, it's possible for it uh, to be known uh, with a greater sense of safety sometimes or uh, ability to be with. So I can play with it a little bit like that. So what is the relationship of um, awareness to this thing that, that I was talking about with the self that is supposed to be impermanent? So in, in some ways, like when we're practicing this awareness of thought, particularly as, you know, in the beginning of it, um, like with this idea of the screen or the clouds, really emphasizing the difference between sort of the knowing of it and the object. So usually the identification is with the object, which is the thought itself. Uh, So kind of separating that out can help to uh, distinguish, like, okay, this this is not me. So then the question is, like, well, what about that? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's kind of the question you're asking. Like, what about the awareness, the knowing of it itself? So yeah, then at a certain point, it can be helpful to turn this kind of investigation to the awareness itself, to the knowing. Uh, and this can be done in the variety of the senses, even the seeing, you know, in seeing instead of knowing the object, it's like resting in the seeing, right? So do you know that you're seeing, awareness of the seeing? And in that you could bring, a, you know, just a gentle inquiry, and it's not a verbal one, really, into like, well, like, who is there? Is, is there a self there? You know, is there some entity that I can identify as meanness in this? Because one of the kind of occupational hazards of developing awareness of the objects as you're doing it, which is a helpful thing to do, is that we can start to identify as the observer 
you know, as the knower. So the meditator, the knower. So then there is one who is knowing. So then it can be helpful to kind of turn that around and be like, oh, so if that is true, then who is the one who is knowing? Are there any characteristics of that one to be found? You know, is there any individuality in that? Or um, We have a belief in a sense of self. And this is kind of that the thing that I'm pointing to about uh, perception to, is that we perceive that there is some permanent entity in us that is knowing all this and even that is controlling all this. But when you actually look, you can't really find something of that sort. So I just I recently had started reading some more philosophy stuff and they have this, um, there's not even a word for this, like in that theory, uh, many of us go around with this idea that there's like a little person inside who's kind of observing or maneuvering things. And they call this like homunculus, some like philosophy term. But then the problem with that is then like, well, who is controlling the homunculus? So then you have to get like a smaller homunculus in the homunculus. And then, you know, who's controlling the homunculus of the homunculus? You know, there's like an endless regression back, you know. So then you're still left with the question, like, how is this happening? Or who is knowing this? There's, there's no knower to be found. So in the Buddhist teachings, it's not actually about no self. It's more that the self is an illusion. An illusion means something that is not as it seems. So our perception of it is as this solid, unique, independent, permanent entity in some ways. And then... Uh, it's, that cannot be found. Or can it? So this is your exploration. <laughs> Check it out and see, you know, what you think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, endless, you know. Responsibility to not harm. So I'm, I'm troubled. Yeah, so a question about responsibility uh, and this disidentification, and particularly with the sense of anger, for example. And it might seem like uh, uh, just saying this is an angry mind or this is anger uh, is less orienting towards responsibility than like I am angry. Is that, that's kind of what you're saying, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually a, a beautiful question because the, I hear in that the intention to not harm, to actually act in a way that is uh, positive, wholesome towards others and recognizing like, oh, when the state of anger is there, whether we call it, I am angry or there is an angry mind, there's a greater likelihood of acting out or lashing out or something like that. So I think even in that awareness of that is some protection. You know, the, your intention and awareness of it. So then you're kind of coming to, well, what is skillful means to help not act out of that? Right? So I'd say some of the benefit of, of just noticing this is anger is that... Uh, is actually kind of what is happening because other times there is a beautiful state. There's like generosity there, right? Uh, and, you know, it may be just sort of a semantic wording thing, like I am angry versus like I am feeling generous or something like that. But uh, if we know this thing in a way that we're not identified with it, then we can see like anger is here. Even if you say I am angry, anger is here, but I don't necessarily have to be driven by that. That's kind of what we're getting to. So whatever words sort of help you to work with it in that way, you know. It also is not necessarily to take away the responsibility part, but uh, it's the, the part that we're focused on from the Dharma standpoint is really understanding causality. So it's like, okay, anger can be there that then will, whether it's I am angry or there is anger, cause some speech to happen or physical action to happen that later I regret or that hurts somebody else or hurts myself. So from that standpoint, kind of recognizing like this is not me. This anger is not me. This is a temporary state. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm wearing this outfit today, but like this outfit is not me. In fact, if I spill something on it that is like... uh, messes it up, which is likely because it's a light color, then <laughs> if I think it's me permanently, then I'm in trouble because like I'm stained. You know? But if it's just the clothing and it's like, oh, okay, this is the outfit, but it could be washed, it could change, different up, you know, then it's like, okay, I still want to avoid that happening, but it's not as permanently devastating. Right? So this is, relatedly, we're actually going to do for- forgiveness practice, I believe, in the afternoon. Uh, and Pascal will explain all about the theory of this and the practice. And uh, is, is a very important, helpful thing. And the question you're getting to about responsibility is a, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful one and an important one. So, yeah, thank you. So uh, we have another morning of practice. And you could play around with the awareness of um, thought and exploring that. Some of you might be aware that um, the afternoon schedule is a little bit different. The, the morning schedule is the same. So please continue your practice and notice if the mind starts to speed up or start to lean into the future or anything like that. And uh, can uh, notice that and just allow the future to happen when it happens, which is in the present. <laughs> so meaning just be here with what is here now. You have a momentum of practice that you might not even realize that's actually very powerful. So this is a great period 
to continue to see things, to continue to understand, to continue developing this way of knowing. So the mind that wants to plan all this stuff that you're going to do when you get home, like let that happen when you get home. You know, this is a, a precious time. So you might notice yourself speeding up. You can just rest back, slow down. You might notice energy coming up in which you want to talk to people. Keep that together until, uh, let the ending come when the ending comes, basically. There is a manager's talk at 4.15 uh, that we do ask that everybody will come to as well, in which there will be uh, important logistical details uh, and rides and all kinds of things like that. So thank you. Enjoy your day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.